Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, and today we are back looking at Raw and Nitro from 1996, February 26th to be exact, and we've got Raw coming to us from Cincinnati, Ohio, and Nitro coming to us from Knoxville, Tennessee. We're on the road to WrestleMania 12 and the Iron Man match and Uncensored 1996 and the Doomsday Cage match, so big things on the horizon. The episode of Raw this week drew a 3.1 rating, pretty steady recently. Nitro dropped quite significantly down to a 3.2, still won the ratings battle, but I'm wondering if the allure of the booty man wasn't quite enough to keep viewers tuned from the week prior. So, that'll do it for the ratings rundown. We're about to head over to Nitro, which I watched first, find out what they had going on, and get straight back into the swing in 1996. Let's do it. Nitro opens up with our commentary team of Bobby the Brain Heenan, Eric Bischoff and Steve Mongo McMichael dressed in matching leather with Pepe this week. And right off the bat we get our dick move of the week as Eric Bischoff goes back to reading out the Raw results. He tells us that we'll see Yokozuna in a handicap match, Jake Roberts in DDS and he says that's not going to be over. And Bob Holly taking on Diesel, is Bob Holly still around? So Eric Bischoff shooting all over the competition in the first minute of Nitro gets our dick move of the week this week. And then we head into our opening contest. Big Bubba Rogers up against Sting, a match that on paper I was actually quite excited for. As the introductions are taking place, Eric Bischoff waxes on about the fact that Sting and the WCW race car driver, whose name I've not really cared to remember, are really good friends now, and, you know, winners love each other, and also the fact that um, he didn't win his last race, so I don't quite know what Bischoff's trying to get going on here. A bit of cross-promotion that's really falling pretty flat for me. Bubba then backs Sting into the corner and offers a clean break, backs away and offers him a handshake. Sting, of course, the uber babyface, slaps away the handshake, hits Bubba with a drop toe hold and a bulldog before Big Bubba comes back with an inverted atomic drop and the classic boss man attack jumping on Sting whose neck is draped across the second rope and then coming back and sliding under the ropes and nailing him with that beautiful boss man uppercut. Goldust would also perfect this later on as well. Really cool move. Sting fires back with some punches before Bubba catches him in a spine buster for a two count. Bubba then gets Sting into the corner and hits him with pretty much a Stinger splash, which is a pretty interesting moment. Then a clothesline for a two count. They brawl along the outside and we get, um, I don't know if you guys ever saw this, but here in Australia when I was young, they played like a Secrets of Pro Wrestling or Pro Wrestling Exposed or some nonsense like that. I'm sure most of you probably did see something like that. And they... A segment that always stuck with me was the stunt granny. And we get what I'm certain is the stunt granny in the front row here because she's arguing with Bubba and just going nuts and Bubba's winding her up no end. A cop actually comes along and has to sort of calm her down a little bit as they get back into the ring, which is it made me chuckle. Sting then 
picks Bubba up for a pile driver, and it's a really dangerous looking one. This nearly got my dick move of the week just for how bad and nasty this botch looked, because he picks him up for a regular pile driver, but then Sting just sort of drops to his knees like it's a tombstone, and Bubba's head was really close to just drilling into that mat and hurting him, so not a good looking move. Picks him up a two count for Sting, they exchange some punches, and then Bubba gets his knees up when Sting goes for a Vader bomb type move off the ropes. Sting then crutches Bubba on the ropes, goes up top himself, hits a top rope crossbody for a three count, and we go to our first commercial break. It's during this commercial that the WWE Network, or maybe it was on Nitro at the time, I don't really know, have spliced in an advert that I've been really neglecting to mention over the last few weeks of Nitro that I've talked about. It's a WCW Magazine advert, and basically it's a kid talking about how great the WCW Magazine is sat at his kitchen table, and the kid transforms into Sting, but keeps the kid's voice, and then Sting transforms into the kid, but keeps Sting's voice, talking about how great the magazine is. It's actually... Pretty, uh, it's pretty corny, but it's pretty cool as well at the same time. If you're a long-term fan, so if you haven't watched any of these old episodes of Nitro, go and check it out and have a laugh and tweet me about it. And our next segment is Mean Gene Oakland attempting to interview the tag team of Sting and Lex Luger, who are interrupted by the Legion of Doom. We are at WCW Monday Night Nitro Live from Knoxville, Tennessee, ladies and gentlemen. Abundance of tag team talent here at World Championship Wrestling including the current tag team champion Sting and Lex Luger. But, Hawk Animal, gentlemen, I know you've got something you want to interject regarding the subject matter. We know subject Gene! Sting is no secret here to people in World Championship Wrestling. You've been a brother in pink to the Warriors for a long time. We know exactly where you stand, Luger. We know you're a cheap shot. But Sting, where is your head at? Ain't you got good enough sense to know what he's all about? We're the champions, Tom Stinger. We're the champions, aren't we? Right here. We're wearing the championship belts. You know something, Luger? You're a big, bad, tough guy. You know Hulk and I, we're the masters of every dangerous match there is in the world. Well, Hulk will wrestle you any kind of match, anytime, any place, anywhere, because we're the champions. Stinger said so, I say so. Any kind of match, anytime. We're well, not scared of Luger. Is that right, tough guy? You ain't no skin. Luger's out here saying he's from Chicago. Luger, you're not from Chicago. You don't know what it's like to have to fight King of Scratch for everything. Hey, the closest you've been to downtown and the hood is when you dropped off your stinger laundry to be clean. Stinger, Stinger, tell him. I'm from Chicago. I know what Chicago's like. You tell him. Lex, huh. you are from the white collar section of Chicago. They're from the street. They're from Halstead Street. The key word is street. They're monsters from the street. Well, we're not afraid of these monsters because we're the champions in WCW. And don't you, and don't you forget it, Luger. You remind me of a washing machine. You really agitate us. Lest we forget, we are the road warriors. And if we want to go to the Atlanta Zoo, and knock out Willie B the Gorilla, so be it. We'll do it. And let me tell you something, Luger. I'm sure you're from Chicago, as we are. I'm sure you're a tough guy. And you want to do a Chicago street fight? I'm sure you'll excel. I'm sure you're looking forward to it. I'm sure you're just dying to get in the ring and do an all-out Chicago street fight with us. But you want to know something, Luger? Uh, what a rush! If you want to 
Chicago street fight for the belts. They got it. Hustinger, you tell them. I'll tell you what, I thank you very much, Lex Luger, staying in the Road Warriors, Chicago street fight. What does that mean anyways? I don't know, I've been at a bar too at Rush Street and I, I got an idea what, what it might be. Say? 30 Chicago seconds from now, what did you Chicago? say? I'm from Chicago, what is a Chicago street fight? As these two started yeah, yeah. off, we're going to be right Where's back, don't go away. Action in the mirror and think about it a little bit. So the Luger and Sting and Road Warrior promo is actually pretty eventful here because it sort of marks a bit of a 180 in the way they're all acting. Luger starts to have a bit of bravado and a bit of confidence about taking on the Road Warriors and Sting, who'd been upset with him cowering and backing out and avoiding fights, seems to be really annoyed with this direction for Lex as well. So I'm a little bit confused by the booking, but Lex Luger in this segment is amazing. I'm from Chicago. What's a Chicago street fight anyway? It's just brilliant. Um, I've got a lot of time for this version of Lex Luger, and I'm starting to really warm to him here. Um, The Lex Express is definitely taking off in my direction. And on that beautiful, beautiful touching moment, we actually go to Lex Luger in singles competition up against the Renegade. The Renegade, I don't think I ever could warm to because he's ripping off one of my childhood favorites, the Ultimate Warrior, and quite poorly. But it is what it is. We get started with Lex hitting a shoulder block on the Renegade who no-sells it. And then Renegade comes back with three big shoulders of his own. Lex hits a clothesline and a back elbow for a two count and a back suplex for a two count before locking in a chin lock. Bischoff tells us that Lex Luger is a former member of the so-called new generation, but now he's come here to where the big boys play. So Eric really ramping up the... um. The, the sort of talk on the WWF today, I think later on in the show as well, I don't know if I've put it in my notes, but he calls it the World Whining Federation, so he's really getting stuck in here. We get some corner clotheslines by Renegade and a really bad handspring elbow, followed by a bulldog. He goes up top and Jimmy Hart comes out, pushes him off the ropes with the referee distracted. Luger picks him up and puts him in the torture rack and picks up the victory. Sting then comes out to confront Lex Luger about the chicanery going on in the match, and Lex chases Jimmy Hardaway, says he had no idea he was there, and they argue up the ramp as we go to our next commercial break. So this um, dissension in the ranks is going to carry on for a little while longer, and to be honest, I hope it does go for a while, because I'm really enjoying seeing where this is going to head. Now, the other side of this tag team equation is the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, and they're in action next up against Harlem Heat. We get Hawk and Booker T starting out, with Booker unloading with some strikes before Hawk comes back with a clothesline, a drop kick, and his patented neck breaker for a two count. Animal comes in, as does Stevie, and Stevie hits some strikes and a slam before Animal comes back with a couple of clotheslines and tags Hawk back in. Stevie hits Hawk with a powerbomb, and then Harlem Heat start to double-team on Hawk with Animal getting frustrated on the outside. Booker hits an axe kick for a two. Stevie Ray comes in and unloads with some more big punches. Um, Before we get the stunt granny up in the front row going at it again and really going nuts, so she's definitely a feature of this episode. Stevie Ray puts on a front face lock. Booker T comes in and hits a leg lariat, and Harlem Heat hit a double suplex for a two count. Bischoff tells us that the winner of this match will be the number one contender for the tag team titles, and then we get a hot tag to Animal, who comes in and unloads on both members of Harlem Heat, followed by a double clothesline on them for a two count. Uh, They then get Animal back down on the mat, and Booker manages to hit a Harlem hangover. Sorry, uh, Harlem hangover on Hawk, actually. And then the referee's distracted on the outside where they've been brawling. Animal comes in and it's a big boot to the face of Booker T, who's covering. The referee then jumps back in the ring after arguing with Stevie Ray on the floor to count the three count. But Stevie Ray was stood next to the referee and makes no attempt to jump in the ring himself. So it was a really bad finish to otherwise quite decent match there. Harlem Heat and the LOD is someone I'd probably like to see go 10 to 12 minutes on a pay-per-view once again, so something hopefully to look forward to. 
We then go to another commercial break, and when we come back, it is time for the nonsensical Hogan Get His Heat Back main event. I'm talking about the big six-man tag, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, and the newly christened Booty Man, up against Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Kevin Sullivan. Now, my reasoning for calling this nonsensical is the Booty Man ran out to end the last Nitro we recapped to make the save for Hogan and Macho, and they sort of didn't really refer to his name and looked quite shocked that he was there, and... Hogan then did call in the Booty Man when they went up to the commentary booth, as they've been doing a lot lately to end the shows. But you would think on the follow-up show there'd be some sort of explanation, and they just basically called him a spy who infiltrated the camp, which is all well and good if he'd been in there a few weeks, or, you know, it was a storyline going on, like, say, when Daniel Bryan joined the Wyatt family or something along those lines. But Booty Man has been the Zodiac for a long time now, including facing Hogan at a previous Starcade, so I'm not really sure how they want us to buy this. So I guess their big plan was for Brother Brutai to infiltrate the Dungeon of Doom for, you know, a couple of years, battle Hogan, attempt to injure him, battle Macho, attempt to injure him, uh, try and take Hogan's title, and then a couple of years later, when the time was right, come back and help them in a six-man tag match. Like, it makes no sense. Hogan's you know, been in a monster truck on top of a roof and, you know, battling to near death with the giant. He's been beaten down by the Dungeon of Doom. He's had ladies' high heel shoes to the eyes. And now all of a sudden, a three-on-two beatdown was enough for the Zodiac to jump back and reveal his spy powers. I'm just, you know, I'm not buying it, obviously, as you can tell by the tone of my voice and my rambling. But if you have seen it and disagree, please do get in touch and let me know why. And then I will I'll probably ridicule you, but hey, we'll have a good debate. Anywho, the match gets started with some six-man brawling before Kimberly comes out with some flowers, strangely enough. We're not really sure why. Brudeye and Arn Anderson start out. Um, sorry, I need to call him Booty Man, don't I? Booty Man hits an atomic drop, followed by a high knee. Ha, 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 ha. And locks in the sleeper hold. Kevin Sullivan comes in to make the save, and he gets locked in the dreaded sleeper hold before Ric Flair comes in. And then eventually he does tag in, and they go to a bit of a test of strength spot before Macho Man comes in and spits at Ric Flair. So upping the intensity and the disgust level a little bit there. All three heels get a hold of Macho Man in the corner as Eric Bischoff tells us on commentary that next week WCW Nitro will be preempted for a Civil War documentary. I'm not sure, but that might actually be worse than the Westminster Dog um, Show or whatever it is in the US Open Tennis. That is really bad. They try and sell us on how great it's going to be. Uh, Macho Man hits a backdrop. Ric Flair goes up top and comes off with a corkscrew plancher um, or is press slammed off. I can't quite remember which. Macho Man hits a top rope axe handle. Uh, sorry, attempts a top rope axe handle and gets hit with a gut punch. Hogan comes in, couple of clotheslines, backdrop, Ric Flair's patented corner bump, double clothesline to Arn and Kevin Sullivan knocking them out of the ring, 10, ten punch spots and biting in the corner, and then double big boots with him and Brudeye. Bischoff says that he founds out, he's just found out why he got this nickname Booty Man. It's not because he's been kicking it, it's because he's been shaking it. Okay, that's Pretty crap, Eric. Try again. Macho Man comes in, but the girls on the outside, Woman Elizabeth, trip him up. Kevin Sullivan comes in, and the heels take over a Macho again, because Lord forbid they get some offense in on Hogan. Uh, Kevin Sullivan and Macho hit a bit of a head clash on each other before Booty comes in and hits punches to everyone. Hogan comes in, and Booty Irish whips all the heels into Hogan's big boot in a really crap 1980s spot. 
It's pretty lame. Uh, we then get the leg drop to Arn Anderson and clean it as a whistle. Hogan gets his heat back with the one, two, three because two of the most contrived interference laden losses to Arn Anderson ever cannot go unpunished for even a week. Hogan has to come back and pin him clean in the middle to show everyone that, you know, he is still better than Arn. So have you really put anyone over? I mean, later on in WCW, you do marvels for Billy Kidman's career, but here with Arn Anderson, you really didn't help him all that much, Hulkster, no matter what you try and tell yourself. During the aftermath, Liz actually very slowly and awkwardly handcuffs Hulk Hogan to the ring post. I think they may have been running low on time and the actual, the time it took for Liz to do it really ruins the ending here because it takes a while. Ric Flair has to start whipping him with a belt to keep sort of the excuses to why he wouldn't just pull his hands away after, a, you know, probably 30, 40 seconds of Liz trying to do these handcuffs up. And we actually go off the air with nothing really happening. Macho and Brudai kind of just have to chase the heels away from Hogan, who stood in the corner, half-selling, half-looking like a bit of a Muppet. So this is one of the weaker Nitro endings we've seen. It was a really decent episode, but the actual ending never got time to happen. I'm guessing they just ran a little bit overboard here and, you know, sort of called a little bit of an audible because there was no real triumphant chase off by the faces and no danger and peril cliffhanger from the heels so it was what it was let's see if raw has a better ending or a better show overall as we go and check out what they've got on offer As you may have guessed from that glorious sound, we are going to be treated to Isaac Yankum DDS opening up the show here on Raw. But before that, we do get a quick recap of the Diesel Undertaker situation so far, including Diesel breaking up the Undertaker's home, aka the casket, which he st stepped out of for his appearance on Raw for probably the first time ever last week just to sell the what was coming up. But hey, it is what it is. Isaac Yankum is opening up the show to take on Jake the Snake Roberts, who is in his classic late 90s or mid to late 90s comeback attire with his green trousers and his vest to cover up the little bit of a gut that he had coming on here at this time. When the match gets underway, they exchange punches and Jake hits a hip toss followed by a knee lift and the crowd goes into a huge DDT chant. Try saying that five times fast. Um really getting behind Jake pretty early doors here, which was surprising. Um, I didn't think he'd have quite this much steam, but he did. Uh, Yankum comes back with a clothesline, though, before they can get there. Strikes and a face rake. Some corner punches, as Vince tells us on commentary. It's the DDT up against the DDS, because Yankum actually does use the same finishing maneuver, but calls it a DDS. Uh, he attacks Jake some more. His DDS is blocked this time by Jake, who comes back and hits the original and the best, the DDT for the 1-2-3. And we get a bit of a surprising ending because Jake just goes and gets the bag and walks to the back. So no snake coming out, which is a little bit strange. Before we go to our next in the series of vignettes about the return of the Ultimate Warrior, in this one there's a lot of kids saying, bring back the Warrior. Piper, bring us back the Warrior. And sort of intermittent comments from warrior promos in the past and commentary stuff there as well so it's actually a pretty decent um 
tease for the Warrior, who I am very much looking forward to seeing on Monday Night Raw. Not necessarily his match at Mania, because most of us know what happens there, but his Raw appearances are something I've never seen, so I'm very much looking forward to that coming up. Something else I was looking forward to, I posted the picture on Twitter, the big second matchup we got to see, Bob Spark plug Holly, yes he's still alive Eric, up against Big Daddy Cool Diesel. During this one as well, just as a little side note, Vince does announce that we are officially going to see Diesel up against The Undertaker at WrestleMania, so that's cool to have that on the table now. When the match opens up, Diesel hits a knee lift followed by an elbow. Uh, Bob Holly comes back and hits a 10-punch spot, but he's thrown off. Um, Diesel then hits a clothesline, and there's a sign in the crowd that reads Diesel Wrestling Federation, so simple but effective. Diesel hits a sidewalk slam, followed by some strikes in the corner, before Holly comes back with a drop kick and three clotheslines as we go to a commercial break. So we think Bob Holly is taking the ascendancy and is going to really ramp up this match, but when we come back from an ad, Diesel hits a jackknife for the one, two, three. Um, after selling the fear of the fact that Undertaker might be under the ring again like he was at the In Your House pay-per-view, after the match has ended, Diesel gets very, very cocky because the Undertaker hasn't appeared. Um, he's walking down to the ring. He's doing the little Scott Hall uh, finger-shaking thing as well, like, ooh, I'm scared. He's walking down the ramp, and the lights go out, and the gong hits. We bring the lights back up, and Undertaker stood in the ring. Diesel turns around, sells it a little bit, but then marches towards the ring for a fight. We get the gong and the lights out again, and Undertaker is gone. Diesel's looking around, trying to figure it all out, and a third time the lights go out. Now Undertaker's on the screen to cut a promo up against Big Daddy Cool. Drink. What is going on? This is weird. Hey, that's the video wall. I hope you don't think things are going to be that easy. So you want to play my games? I'm the master of the mind game. So Diesel. I will see you. On the dark side. Wow, he's gonna see him at WrestleMania, my man. I can't wait for that. Yes, and he'll be on the dark side for sure. What a matchup at WrestleMania! From here, we're told that on next week's show, we're going to see Bret Hart take on Triple H and Shawn Michaels take on the 123 Kids. So, it could be two really good matches there. And we're treated to another really good match Ahmed Johnson taking on the one and only Shinobi. For those of you not clued up, Shinobi is Al Snow under a hood in another one of his failed WWF gimmicks. And he's actually in the ring, but played out kind of to the old Orient Express. Exp- God, I cannot talk today. The old Orient Express theme. So if you don't know that one, it's the one with little ding, 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 ding with the chopsticks and then boop, 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 I said nothing like it. Just go and fucking listen to it on YouTube, will you? This is ridiculous. And in an in and inadvertently, I cannot speak today. Don't listen to this show anymore. It's rubbish. In an in in an inadvertent moment of humor vince mcmahon says how many faces does does this man have referring to al snow um obviously not as many as marbles as i've got in my mouth tonight but it still really cracked me up because vince he's got a lot more to come and you're going to create most of them as soon as the match gets underway ahmed johnson immediately tosses shinobi to the floor and gold dust phones the commentary table for one of the most horrendously offensive um I want to say homosexual promos, but it's an insult to real homosexuals because I'm sure this is not how most of them act, but I can't do this any justice. Just have a listen. Oh, the 
the top. Watch straight ahead. Wait a minute. We have, hello. Hello, Goldust. Are you there? Uh, Goldust joining us uh, this week. And for what purpose, uh, Mr. Goldust? My Marlena has directed me to recite a poem, an ode to President Piper. Well, go right ahead. They call you the hot rod, but what exactly do they mean? A towering infernal of temper, or beneath that skirt, you're anything but lean. You preside over the World Wrestling Federation in a fashion that is so far gone. With all those sexy temper tantrums, ooh, you turn me on. Mr. President Piper, you are so mean, so hard, and so ripe. To you, I have but one request. When does gold dust get to play that bagpipe? I look forward to that invitation. I look forward with much lust. Mr. President Piper, you will never forget the name of... Gold Devastating maneuver by all men! Johnson, I assure you, those comments from Goldust will not fall on deaf ears. When Mr. Piper hears that, I don't know what's going to happen. Amen, Johnson! So now, where do I start on all this? Of course, there is um, just a short list of things that Goldust has basically said in this promo. Piper's got a big cock, you know. What's under his kill is anything but lean. He's sexy. He turns him on. He's hard and ripe. And he'd like an invitation to play his bagpipe. In other words, he would like to perform oral sex on Rowdy Roddy Piper. So this is perhaps one of the most disgusting promos in the history of wrestling. Uh, just putting that out there. And... While it's going on, you're missing out on a real treat in Ahmed Johnson up against Shinobi. Um, we get a huge hip toss um, while this is going on. And then Shinobi attempts a springboard back into the ring and falls flat on his face. For the eagle ears of you out there, you will actually hear the laughter over Goldust promo from the crowd just losing it when Shinobi lands on his face. Um, that's that character dead and buried. Vince, get him another face. Um, you could probably uh, hit up Aya Stark for a little bit of help finding the right gimmick, I think, here for any Game of, Th Game of Thrones fans out there. Jesus. Uh, from there, we have a big spine buster and a Pearl River plunge for the academic 1-2-3, giving Ahmed Johnson the victory. We then go to our latest Mankind vignette, and his little rat has a name, it's George, and Todd Pettengale then shills us some merchandise, um, just your standard t-shirts, jackets, whatnot this time. We get an update from the Tag Team Tournament. For those of you not in the know about this era, Billy Gunn suffered a neck injury, therefore the Smoking Guns had to vacate the Tag Team titles, and thus far in the tournament, we're told that Owen Hart and the British Bulldog have defeated the dream team of Barry Horowitz and Hakushi, and next week the new Rockers will take on the Godwins. So Shinobi is about to be on the outs, Leaf Cassidy is about to be on the ins, and we'll see if that one fares any better and if he can land on his feet this time. From there, we get Vince McMahon introducing Shawn Michaels, um, and then Jerry Lawler talks him up on the way out as being the biggest star. He can't believe the ovation. He's so popular, blah, 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 blah. And then Vince introduces Brett. During this, Lawler actually gives a slightly smaller sell job of how popular Brett is as well and how he can't believe it. And they get down to a pretty, um, a little bit of a sickly pro sweet promo with each other in there. Tried to tease a little bit of tension, but there's not much going on in that regard. Sean says nobody respects Brett more than he does, which made me really laugh. Brett then says he wants a chance to show how good he truly is. Sean says he needs to beat Brett Hart. 
Bret Hart says he respects Sean. Sean says that he's in top physical condition, pulls his pants down a bit to show his abs. Bret Hart compares himself to the Energizer Bunny and says he can go all night, um, read his book, and I'm sure that's why he's no longer with his first wife. And then Rowdy Roddy Piper comes out. And in a bit of a weird moment, he tells the crowd they shouldn't be booing a man like Bret Hart. I hadn't really heard any boos, to be honest, and I think drawing attention to a smattering of them was not the best way to go. And he says that you shouldn't be booing Shawn Michaels either, just for good measure. He announces that, you know, since they both think they're going to be able to go all night, this will be most falls to pick up the victory. Sean asks how long for. He says an hour, and the Iron Man match has been set. They have a handshake, and we sign off with JR telling us to get on the Superstar line. It's open 24-7, and you can find out all the goss. We go into a commercial break, and when we come back, it's time for our main event, Yokozuna up against the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Handicap match opens up with Yoko hitting a big elbow to Owen, a slam and a clothesline before he tags out and gives the bulldog a turn. Yoko meets him with a slam and a backdrop. Um, Then Owen comes in and eats a backdrop, but Yoko misses an avalanche, allowing Owen to hit a missile dropkick. We get some double teaming as we go to another commercial break. And then when we come back, the heels are in control of Yokozuna. There's more double teaming. Owen goes up top but misses a splash off the top. And this brings out Vader with Jim Cornette begging him not to get in the ring and cause any more trouble. Vader jumps in anyway, hits a big clothesline, and then we get a three-on-one beatdown of the mammoth Yokozuna. The bell rings for the obvious disqualification, and Ahmed Johnson comes out to try and make the save, followed very slowly by Jake the Snake Roberts carrying that bag. He just cannot keep up at this point in time. Ahmed gets in and the heels sort of stand their ground and Jake eventually gets in with everyone waiting for the queue and really slowly gets out the big giant yellow snake and this does is enough to chase out Vader when Jake picks it up and sort of runs at him with the snake. It's just a really badly executed finish, which is something we just talked about on Nitro as well. This one wasn't due to running out of time, but simply Jake running out of legs and father time catching up with him. So it is what it is. That's the ending to it. But we actually don't end the show here. It's the ending to the live portion of the show. But we go to the latest Billionaire Ted skip with the Huckster and Nacho Man appearing on Larry Fling Live. They call themselves old and bald. They talk about how they're scared of women's high heel shoes and they're going to have a big match at WrestleMania. To be honest, they're getting pretty long and tedious, as I said with the last one, so I'm not going to splice it in. You don't really want to hear it. We're going to go straight onto the recap and see which show won. So the first category we're going to have a look at today is production value. And for this one, I actually sided with the WWF because of the aforementioned gaffe with the finishing of Nitro. Um, If someone thinks that's not a mistake and that was the way it was meant to end, let me know. But for me, I think it was just a little bit of a flub on time. So Raw is going to pick up the nod there with neither show really doing anything out of the ordinary as far as production goes. For the crowd heat, I'm going to call this one a tie. They were very much behind Jake, behind Ahmed, behind or into the Undertaker Diesel stuff. Um, But the title guys, maybe, you know, the the pop was good, but Lawler oversold it. Then Piper came out and pointed out the obvious that it wasn't as good as they thought it should be. Um, Hogan wasn't really as over as he has been in some towns in WCW, but Sting and Lex were, as were the Road Warriors and a few other acts. So a tie is a pretty fair result there. As far as storyline advancement goes, for this one I'm going to go with Raw because we had major movements in the Diesel Undertaker, including the announcement of the match, as well as the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, because we got the Iron Man announcement with Roddy Piper. Over in WCW, we really just gave Hogan his win back and ignored the fact that a mortal enemy of the last two years was now back in best friend camp with him, so I wasn't too keen on that, though the tag team scene is heating up nicely and the story's continuing there. 
As far as characters, we've got another tie there because they pretty much all got their big stars on the show. Other than Razor Ramon, who is now into his suspension for marijuana usage because he's signed on with WCW and given his notice, everybody was on both shows of, of value, really. So I don't have any issues there. The only one really missing, I think, maybe is the Giant from WCW, but I'll give that a pass and call it a tie there. And then we go to match quality. And for this one, Nitro actually picks up the win because the tag team match and the Sting Bubba Rogers match was better than any of the matches on Raw. So it puts us in a little bit of a conundrum with the Fed winning three and two ties and Nitro, uh, sorry, the Fed winning two, two ties and Nitro winning one, but Nitro winning the big one of match quality. So I'm actually going to cheat a little bit and just call this a tie because I think Raw did better storylines, Nitro did better wrestling, and if you combine the two, you'd probably get a really good show. As it was, you got two passable shows, neither an offensive watch clocking in at around about 45 minutes or so on the network, so if you do want to check these two shows out, I could recommend watching them both. There's there's, There's certainly worse ways you could spend an hour and a half of your time than watching some of the biggest names in the business in their this point in their careers. That will do it for today. We have a lot coming up, and I do apologize. There's been a little bit of a break between shows, not because of anything in particular, just the fact that the two shows I have coming up with Duncan have consumed a lot of my wrestling watching time. I'm still trying to get through the TNA shows, which I will get back into tonight, but the website I've got them on has been quite difficult for me and my poor Australian internet. Um, But other than that, we're still on the highway towards WrestleMania, so there's more stuff coming there. Richie and I will get back in touch very soon about an 80s show, and we will have a lot more stuff coming your way very soon. You'll probably find there'll be a little bit of a smattering of shows all in a small cluster coming up pretty soon. That's the hope anyway. But if not, there will certainly be a lot more 1996 wrestling coming your way in the very near future. Thanks for listening. As always, get in touch in all the usual places. And please do leave a five-star review. And if you know of any other friends that listen to wrestling podcasts and haven't heard of us, please give us a mention and maybe even tag us on Twitter so we know. We're trying to get the word out and keep the show growing. Uh, It has been very, very good for the year and a bit it's been going. But it's always good to have new listeners and to hear from you. So please get in touch. Thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you all again very, very soon. From the land of the lost, behold the pale horse, or poor. Follow me, Wu Tang gotta be the best thing since Starks and Clark Wallabies. African killer bees, black watch on your radio, blowing out your watch. From Park Hill to House of Haunted Hill, every time you walk by, your back get a chill. Let's build, who want to talk about skill? I spit like a semi automatic to the grill. Elbow grease and elbow boom, baby, play me, baby, fall down, go boom. Party people gather round, count down to apocalypse. I'm the kid with the golden arms And I'm the motherfucking hot nicks Pass the blunt My nigga don't front You had it for a minute but it seemed like a month Now I'm choking, smoking, hoping I don't croaking from overdosing Hey kid When the map got you open Let's ride Can't stand niggas that floss too much Can't stand Bentleys they cost too much Kid wanna get up then can't get touched Kid wanna stick up then can't get stuck I'm the one that calls you bluff When your boys try to act tough Remember what old Dirty said, I'll fuck your ass up.
famous Forehead beamers run wild as the kid with the gold cup Stepped out like what? Was popping in y'all Go for blasting Shay Shay chocolate sauté Rich color mocks rock those all day 1960s shit I'm golden That's right motherfucker don't hold me The world's greatest Las Vegas paid his rock Skin painted on my face look ageless Perfect combos Ghost bang out condos Jet from homo X we bong those bank rolls Stank hoes and plain clothes Change those bang those Same old same old Straight up, this the jump off right here. The gravel pit, word up, represent rockin' boulders. All my rich gangster style killers, y'all know what time it is. Shorty, do your thing, get up on that right now, boo. Do yeah. you? That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Step to my groove, move like this. When we shoot the gift, of course it's ruthless. Grab the mic with no excuses in a sec. Grab the text, salute this. Executing, shaking all sets, and now I'm breaking all hex. I'm taking all bets. Move on best, who won't the draw next? won't stink, we got the bigger bank, bigger shank to fill your tank, still the sink, for real, ride your crank, slide, do or die, fry the bait, admire the grades, on fire with a heart of hate, bit of shark, every part I take, heavy darts to quake, it's okay, all fakes, get caught by the drop kicks, you know the thrill, yes, it's Park Hill, yo, we hit him with the hot grits, on the go, check the flow, singing woo, don't rock shit, Stop quick, hold the gossip, stop sweating my pockets, I hear the hot shit. Black, black, and 